and welcome to The Connected Singer with Michael Hill and me, Julie Thompson. We're both singers and vocal coaches who love researching and learning new ways to keep in tip-top shape, vocally and mentally. We know that being a performer is a hugely rewarding but also demanding career for mind, body and soul. And we want to help you find the balance you need to keep going on your musical journey. Each week, we'll be speaking to performers, teachers and expert practitioners in a range of fields. From psychology, to sports science, to recce, who will share their knowledge and experiences to provide you with a toolkit of ways to keep well, beat performance anxiety, avoid burnout and get the most enjoyment out of the pursuit we all love, singing. Hello again, lovely listeners. Uh, we've just had a really fascinating conversation with Julie Bale, who is a hypnotherapist and a choir conductor, vocal coach, singer, performer, the whole shebang. Um, and yeah. of course, much of her work and much of the conversation we had was about hypnotherapy and how it can benefit singers and, and help people with things like performance anxiety and mental blocks, things that are getting in the way of, of just being your best self on stage or, or in life in general. And it's interesting, isn't it, Julie? Because I, I feel like we are more and more finding people who who show that much of the, 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 the difficulty as a singer or the challenge or whatever it is, it's, it's working through the inner game, the mental side of things, rather than it just being a case of, well, you need to sing this vowel and this pitch and, and move your stomach this way. Yeah. These things are really important, <laughs> but we see more and more that, that there are so many other factors that singers need to address in order to perform optimally, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And it really resonated with me also, because I think we all suffer at some point in our life um, at the feeling that perhaps we're not good enough or have we prepared enough or or that fear that one has just before stepping out onto stage, um, whether it will all come into, into fruition, what we've spent so much time um, preparing for. And there's a little bit of self-doubt just before. And I think that's why the adrenaline and the cortisone levels start to increase, um, which some of us really use. And that was another interesting, interesting theme, actually, that some use that to, uh, to perform and some really don't need that. <laughs> they need a more calming disposition in order to be able to think clearly and to perform consistently and feel in control when they're on stage. And the fact that hypnotherapy... Um, or Julie, Julie Bale can help us in both of those um, possibilities, if you like, as a singer yeah. through the hypnotherapy um, was really fascinating to sort of acknowledge that we're all very different, which, as you say, we're starting to find out that we might have similar limiting beliefs or fears, but we are all different and we all need different tools. And that's what I just love about our podcast. We're just <laughs> inviting lots of different people in with different um, tools and options for us to explore that yeah. suits us personally. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, that's a really interesting point. It would be interesting to hear from listeners as well if they recognise certain facets of themselves you know, within Julie's descriptions that she provides throughout the, the conversation yeah. about 
you know, the kind of thought processes and feelings that people people have before they go on stage. Because I think, you know, we can relate to that, that if, if there are, um, you know, stop and go people, you know, people who are go, 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 you know, need the adrenaline before stage. And there are yep. you know, people who just need to stop and have the calm. I yep. probably fall into that camp much more. You know, when people used to say to me, oh, you have to just feel the fear and do it anyway. I'm like, no thanks, can I have a glass of wine? <laughs> and maybe watch some Netflix. I don't know. You know <laughs> yeah, and hide in the corner. I don't want to go out there anymore, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the, it's, it's interesting that both work, it's not, and, and there are many, you know, shades of grey in between. You don't have to be, it's not that you need the the excitement or the adrenaline you know or not it's it's one of these things that we're all individuals and and hypnotherapy i guess because it taps into your subconscious it's finding your answers for yourself from within in a way that makes sense to you instead of saying you must be this kind of person in order to be a good performer yes absolutely which is all down to being well, acknowledging and respecting the uniqueness of each mm-hmm. of us, which she was very keen to promote, wasn't she? Which I thought was fantastic because that's exactly where we come from as far as coaching other other um, artists or students at the conservatoire. It's about recognising that we are all unique and using that to our advantage in order to, to perform and to express ourselves authentically. And that was a really interesting discussion I felt that she proposed. She really was keen to share that and um, I loved that part of it. Yeah, and it's also, it just made me think as well that, you know, if you're a therapist or counsellor or, you know, those kind of helping jobs, they come from a, a framework because there's, a, there's, of course, a very strict ethical framework. There's guidelines and there are techniques and tools that you're meant to use in, in specific ways. But even then, even if you're following a model, it's become so individual and unique and intuitive depending on what the person needs. I yeah. think as, as voice teachers, that's also probably something we, we recognize. You know, it's, it's probably... You hear a lot of people saying, well, uh, you, you can't just teach a, a method because it's too strict, it's too specific. But even then, you'd have to change it and adapt it to the individual. You can't just say, "Yeah, here is the acoustics, here's the vowel, this is how you belt. It's, who is that person yeah. and, and how do I teach it to them and they're in a style that makes sense for them and, and helps them along the way and makes them feel listened to, you know? Absolutely, and and their experience to to also acknowledge and recognise that they've had experiences in their lives. Um, perhaps they've, with regard regards to sort of vowel sounds, for example, certain certain singers they're using specific vowels all the time, so it's embedded in their their muscle memory, if you like. The same as perhaps an experience of a positive experience that you've had on stage when you do a certain uh, song or a certain style, you're very uh, comfortable with that and confident because that's been most of your experience or that's what you've experienced most of. And then when you try to start and explore something new, that's when these these feelings, these fear feelings pop up or these limiting beliefs, or maybe I'm just quite not good enough at that, or maybe they tried it once and they had a bad experience because they weren't really in the right mindset, or maybe there was just an an external influence influence from the environment that um, perhaps was unexpected and therefore created um, a sense of uh, lack of control or um, panic or whatever. And then that obviously 
sticks in the memory and that is uh, associated with perhaps a new sound that they were trying out and things like that. And mm. I think that's where hypnotherapy seems to really support that, as well as obviously lots of other therapies, as you say, are also acknowledging that. But um, I found it just fascinating in the in the sense that well, listeners, you're probably important for you to listen to the interview, but um, there are some absolutely amazing and astonishing ways in which hypnotherapy can actually help you in various aspects of your life, in many areas, not just singing. So, yeah, I think uh, dive in with an open mind and uh, listen to what uh, Julie has to say, because, um, yeah, there's some absolute gems and also some great tools in there as well, isn't there? That she, um, yeah, that's true. And she shares a lot. I know she has a, and we'll have the links to this and all of that jazz, but she has a, a, a Facebook group and, you know, a singers group and she shares tools with them there. But, you know, you don't have to be in a hypnotherapy session to to use things, or you know, for yourself that can be practical and, and useful. And so she shares a lot of, of those kind of things as well. And I mean, I think we both thought, oh, I'd love to try this out. It sounds, you know, really fascinating. I'm definitely trying out a session. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely definitely trying a session. I'm so curious. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just makes me think that although we, we instinctively, I suppose, know this, but it does seem like a singer, musician, performer, whoever you are, you know, it's important to have a toolkit of so many things at your disposal, you know, yeah. in, in terms of you need your technique, but you also need your self-care. You need whatever gets you that sense of well-being. You need your sleep. You need everything. And and for some people, I'm sure, you know, you see um, people like Justin Bieber. There was a, a video I saw recently of him doing these um, havening techniques, which is a kind of self-soothing thing, you know, before going. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And you think, well, you know, there's probably someone else who who has their hypnotherapy session recorded that they listen to before they go on or, or someone does some NLP techniques or whatever it is. There's, there's all these ways to just make sure the icing on the cake that you've addressed all your needs kind of vocally, spiritually, mentally, physically, you know, and, and that way Absolutely. you're ready to go. And have a little bit more of awareness of your own body and your own state of mind, let's say, uh, or the reasons why you react in certain ways when you're on stage and how you can better control them um, if they're having a negative influence on you. Because I know I definitely personally have developed things through my career as well. So the issues that I never had previously have suddenly through my career developed. And you think, why am I suddenly shaking halfway through a set? You know, you, <laughs> you know, normally it's before the, the gig or before you step out there and you feel yeah I'm confident and then all starts going well and then for some reason halfway through the show things start to fall to bits a little bit or you yeah you lose the concentration or something like that and that's quite interesting to not necessarily find out why but to know how to deal with it when that situation arises because that can things like that can just so suddenly occur can't they and yeah. and there's nothing worse especially if you know you've got to be on stage for another half an hour or another hour or or whatever you can't you can't just leave <laughs> you know it's like one thing to step out there but when you're there you've got to be there for the whole ride <laughs> you can't go I've had enough now bye yeah. give me five minutes I'm off to be sick in a bin I'll be right back. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And, and that's it. And I think whatever techniques resonate with you, and of course, this podcast will hopefully, you know, switch you on to lots of options that might that might work for you. It's very individual. We have to say. But yeah. Part of it then is is building it to use the the well used phrase muscle memory to have that muscle memory of you know just having it 
at your unconscious disposal because sometimes yeah. we, we we learn things and then we don't actually have them when we need them in, in the sense yeah. that you know for example I remember having to do a presentation years ago at a very kind of you know la-di-da conference that you know made me quite nervous and halfway through my mouth went really dry and I wasn't oh. expecting it and I thought oh god what do I do what do I do and I couldn't really turn away and I couldn't pick up my glass to have water yeah. because my hand was shaking because I was thinking yeah. about my dry mouth and I thought, ah. <laughs> So afterwards, someone said to me, oh, you know, did you forget? They didn't notice. I know yeah. they didn't, but I just yeah. mentioned it to a colleague who said, did you not think that, you know, you could always do that trick where you bite your tongue and then you make saliva and, you know, that would have been useful. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but... Unless, at that moment, you don't. Yeah, yeah. You have to drill it into your subconscious so that you know it's available just in case. Because when we go into fight, flight, or freeze, and I'm probably more yes. of the freeze person that goes, oh dear, just <laughs> keep going anyway, you know, <laughs> then, you know, you're, you're missing out on things that could help. And I, I guess, obviously, we have to try it out for ourselves. But with hypnotherapy, you're channeling these things from your subconscious that you know and you know will work. And then yeah. you're primed so that in those moments of, oh, what do I do? It just comes yeah. to you, you know. Absolutely. And she also combines it with the NLP work, which you'll find out. And that's something that I've also explored quite a bit. And it's fascinating, actually, how these tools work subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you feel a little bit silly with some of the things, which, Julie, you'll you'll have fun with, Julie, actually, in this episode, because we do do some funny visualizations and you do feel a little bit silly. <laughs> but somehow that that really subconsciously helps build confidence and a, a sense of stability is what I've found is that when I do these NLP techniques or what I'm also finding out have been also some hypnotherapy techniques I didn't realize I was doing them actually they really give me a sense of stability when I'm in a situation that could really overexcite me or overadrenalize me or even annoy me or get me agitated or you know these times, even in your everyday life, when you might just lash out at somebody or you or internally you're like, ah, really annoyed with this person or whatever. <laughs> and I've realized that actually when I do a daily technique, then they rarely happen, you know, and you, you just notice it. You think, oh, I'm sailing through this situation rather than reacting to it and be feeling triggered by it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's quite a fascinating thing I found through through what we've been experiencing through the podcast and also through uh, what Julie's offering. So, yes. Yeah. Fun, fun tangential fact slash factoid. Apparently, yes. <laughs> apparently, I was reading recently that Jimmy Carr used NLP to, to become a comedian, as in it gave, oh. gave him the drive to to wow. leave his job and go forward and go do the forward. things he wanted to do in life. So we, we there we go. We'll have to get him on the show sometime. Yes. <laughs> Anyone that's got contacts to Jimmy Carr, <laughs> please send them our way <laughs> or send him our way and uh, we'll delve into his consciousness <laughs> or subconsciousness. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well then, without further ado, let's pop into the world of hypnotherapy. 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 <laughs> that sounds good. Hypnotherapy for pop people. Hypnotherapy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or um, people that like to drink beer, hops. Hypnotherapy, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, quite like both of those. 
<laughs> exactly quickly painted it okay well yes everybody enjoy this episode it's very fascinating Julie's a great therapist great singer great person and I think you'll all enjoy that so have fun the connected singer so today we will be chatting to a wonderful guest whose determination to understand performance anxiety led her from a successful career as a soprano voice teacher and choral conductor to creating a leading hypnotherapy practice. So impressed and convinced by hypnotherapy's numerous benefits, she's trained to become a highly qualified hypnotherapist to support other singers with performance-related blocks. She now runs her own private practice in Watford, UK, offers online hypnotherapy courses and packages for singers, and is a member of the National Council for Hypnotherapy. We are so excited to learn about this fascinating therapy and how it can support singers. So we are delighted to welcome the lovely Julie Bale. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us today and offering us your time. As I say, we're very, very excited to be with you today and to hear about hypnotherapy and uh, all its benefits. Obviously, that was quite an extensive introduction. Is there anything else you would like to to add to that introduction as a background for our listeners? Um, no, I thought it was a marvellous introduction, actually. I'd, I'd like to sit and listen to it again. It was, <laughs> it was, it was great. I mean, I think the thing for me is that I found hypnotherapy sort of by accident, I, uh, 25, 25 years ago, I gave up smoking with hypnotherapy. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, really daft thing for a, for a singer to do or, or like a human being to do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, um, but there we are. And it worked and I never smoked another cigarette again. Wow. Um, and it took me, uh, it took me a very long time to sort of equate the two because, I have always, always during my singing career, I've always looked at those very few singers who just go on the stage and bound on with confidence and and are completely in their power and do their thing and come off and love it as much as we all loved it when we were little kids. You know, when we stop people and make them listen to us when we sang, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and, and I just, I always thought, why can we not make it like that all the time? That would be great. And so that's, that's sort of what I was searching for. Um, And then what happened was then once I had realized that hypnotherapy, I had hypnotherapy then to help me with my performing and my imposter syndrome. When I became a choral conductor, I had enormous imposter syndrome because I was a singer. There I was standing on a podium in front of a choir. Oh, yeah, what would a singer with 30 years experience know about dancing in front and looking, you know, um, looking after voices? But nevertheless, I stood there and going through my head was I'm left-handed, first of all. Like, that makes a big difference. Of course, nobody will be able to notice what I'm doing. They won't understand me. Of course they would. But in my head, I had told myself this. Um, I'm not male. And in my head, I had decided that conductors are men. 
They're not, of course. There are lots of amazing female conductors nowadays. But these were the things, you know, creating this imposter syndrome that that I that I had to get rid of. Um, and and I'm not an organist. Apparently, in my head, those are the three things that you need to be to be a choral conductor, right-handed, an organist, and male. How wow. crazy is that? <laughs> and so, and so that that had to change because whenever I was doing my um, my rehearsals, what would happen is the whole day before, and I know this is exactly the same. But in our singing, we have this as well, don't we? The whole day before a performance, or weeks before, if it's a high-profile thing, from the minute you're offered the gig, there's this anxiety that builds and builds and builds and builds. And I I wanted to find ways to make the singer's life less fraught, yeah. you know. And um, and I'd done a, a, a yoga teacher training, actually, and I have been doing guided meditations with my um, online singing groups, and they loved them. And one day I tried to do one um, and didn't do the meditation, and there was they were all disgruntled and and well, oh, well, well, uh, well, I couldn't sing very well today because I didn't have my meditation first. You know? Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I was searching online. I was looking for um, guided meditation courses. That I'll find out more about this. Yeah. And Mr. Google just kept sending hypnotherapy course, hypnotherapy. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so, and I booked on. And the minute that I started my course, immediately the interventions, the, the exercises that we were doing, I was thinking, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. And then trying them out with singers and finding that they worked. And for myself, for the conducting one, um, we used a very classic intervention um, that takes, 20 minutes to do in hypnosis, um, basically just swapping out the ideas So, and then practicing it in hypnosis. So what you do is you say, for instance, um, what I was saying to myself was, um, they don't want to listen to me because I'm not a man, I'm not an organist, I'm not right-handed. Um, and, and those things therefore made me feel extremely anxious and incapable of doing my work. Yeah. Instead, I thought, bring in some thoughts. What would be better things for me to think at that point? Right. And those things I decided were, um, the choir loves me and I have all the resources that I need to do this work. Yeah. And it was as simple as that. Then I went into hypnosis. You know, I was, I was taken into hypnosis um, which I would like to explain a little bit about in a minute as well. I think that's important because people have lots of misconceptions about what it is and how it works and become frightened about mind control. But anyway, so these, these two things, what we did was in hypnosis, I then imagined, because we as musicians have wonderful imaginations, we're able to engage that imagination and took myself, first of all, in my imagination to standing in front of my choir and saying the negative things to myself and noticing how that made me feel. Then getting rid of that image and instead imagining myself saying the other thoughts. So it's sort of future rehearsing. 
yeah. absolutely great for performances as well because yeah. it sort of retrains the mind then to to go to that place rather, rather than, than the scary the catastrophic yeah yeah, so a lot of visualization sports people do it, don't yes. they? They they visualize that consistently of actually achieving that goal or whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. Um, winning the the gold medal and as performers, it's having an amazing performance and yeah, living off those feelings rather than oh, it's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong, and it's that's so powerful, isn't it? <laughs> it really is, and it's and it's exactly that. You know, this stuff has been around in sports. There are there are amazing sports psychologists. Look at the lionesses, for instance. Yeah. You know, yeah, amazing work they did. And they were very, very clear, very clearly said, it's because of the mindset work we did. We didn't believe for a moment that we couldn't win. And, and look what that's happened. what I want to bring for singers, you know. I want every singer to go on the stage going, I don't believe for a moment I can't do the best performance that I am capable of. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's beautiful. So that's I love it. that. Oh, fantastic. I can totally resonate with that. Also, I think Michael can as well because we're both singers as well as vocal coaches. But also, even as a vocal coach, you have that imposter syndrome, just like you did as a, as a conductor. I think that seeps in its way in from whatever experiences we've had or misconceptions we've had and I find that really really fascinating actually that you'd had this view of what a conductor was in your head which is just not the truth is it (laughs) Um, but we build these things in our head and I think it's really powerful just to acknowledge those as well actually through your work as you said some people when hearing hypnotherapy they connect it to being put into a a deep trance-like state where the hypnotist is controlling them and their behavior you know as seen on tv or whatever and uncovers deep secrets or traumas could you tell us how close that impression is <laughs> you know which bits you know you work with and which bits are just yeah nothing to do with your your work yeah absolutely i mean we can uh, people like paul mckenna and darren brown we can yeah. absolutely thank them for the wonderful work that they do making hypnosis well known but what we do have to remember is that that is all about entertainment Right. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> entertainment, mag- magical thinking, that kind of thing. Um, to to be fair, there are two schools of thought in hypnotherapy. There there are just like um, you. I I always find lots and lots of comparisons with the music industry with hypnotherapy. Just you know, there really is. Um, but just like we find that there are some vocal coaches, singing teachers who like to be the guru who will just give drip feed information as and when it's needed. And then there are others who want to, uh, let me show you how to do it so that I become unnecessary, you know. And and there are two schools of thought like that in hypnosis, really. Um, One is called the, I I don't need to go too deeply into this, but one is called the state theorist and one is the non-state. And this is to do with trance. So we've all heard the word trance. We call it the T word. <laughs> yeah. Because when people think of trance, they think of zombies, you know, yeah. and and, and yeah, all these weird films where people have been made to do things against their will. Yeah. So trance is really about, um, it, it's a focused mindset. So there, there, But there are two schools of thought. One is that trance is completely separate 
to anything that happens in our everyday life. It is a, an altered state. Now, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't work with that model. I work with the model that I think works really well for singers, which is that trance is an everyday state. We've all said it before. We've all said, oh, it looks like I was in a trance. Trance is when we are super absorbed and focused on something like when we're learning a piece of music, when we're performing a piece of music, when we're, when we're listening to music or reading a book or watching a film, to the extent that nothing else exists. Like there is no other world, you know? So, so would that be like in flow, could you say? Yeah. Or, and, and perhaps even to go a little bit spiritual here, maybe connected to sort of that higher consciousness or something where you're just you're not concerned about the rest of the world behind you. You're just purely sort of in tune with what's creating yes, that flow is, state. It's exactly that. Right. You know, a state of complete absorption. So the peripheral awareness is gone, sort of laser beam focus on wow. something, which is something that everyone who is a musician knows. So yeah. therefore, everyone who is a musician can enter that state. Right. What is important about the, the hypnotherapy that I practice is that it is a collaborative process. So we agree on the goals that we're trying to achieve, which might be to be um, free and fearless in performance. You know, who wouldn't like that? How yeah. wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and uh, um, so we agree on that. So there is no outside control of the mind. It's rather what, what we are doing is we are learning to control our own thoughts and our own mind to achieve the state that we want to be in that works best for us to give us our best performances. And I think a lot of singers don't realise when all these crazy thoughts... I used to have it myself. My, my thought when going into performance was I, would, I did a lot of oratorio. I still do a lot of oratorio. Um, and I would be standing, waiting to go on stage. And the thought going through my mind would be, I'm going to walk out there. I'm going to trip on my dress. I'm going to fall flat on my face. Oh, and God. that was a recurring thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. So imagine how I felt by the time I got out <laughs> on the stage, you know. Yeah. And if yeah. we choose, therefore... Self-hypnosis is something that I, I teach an awful lot of so that when the singer is standing waiting to go on stage, they can then take themselves into that absorbed state, which is just, you know, it's like a meditation. Yeah. It's, a, it's sort of breath-led, focus-led, focusing, being absorbed, and then making the suggestion to yourself of how you want to feel choosing your thoughts so instead of allowing the i'm going to trip over instead oh. taking myself to the because i have mentally rehearsed this performance like the lionesses have done with their football i have been and i have done the perfect performance 200 times in my mind before i go out on the stage when i do that i walk out and my brain goes yep i know what i'm doing and I don't get the stress response. You know, that's the aim. We don't then get, we don't need that fight or flight or freeze thing because we know what to do. We have trained our mind to take us to the best place. 
for our best performance. I, I absolutely love that because it sounds like it's connecting it's, as you say, it's connecting to yourself and your inner strength, isn't it? To not get distracted from all of those other things in front of you. Because I know what it's like, I'm sure Michael as well. Like if you stand on stage with more from the pop, well, Michael's from folk actually as well, but you can quite often see your audience. You're not always on a big stage and, you know, someone might get up and walk to the toilet or, you know, <laughs> in the middle of your performance or just as you get on stage or, or they start chatting or they pull a face, but you don't realize that that face might be a face of absorption. And you're, you're thinking of all these things rather than trying to give your best performance and enjoying it. And yeah, it can be very daunting. The Connected Signal. If this chat with Julie is already firing up your curiosity and you would like to dig deeper into the world of hypnotherapy, there are a number of websites you can visit. But the number one starting point, I would say, is Julie's own website, hypnotherapyforperformance.com. That's all one word. Here you'll find some useful tips on how hypnotherapy can benefit your performance, some of which we will be discussing on this episode, so please stay tuned. You can also find out about Julie's activity, i.e. workshops, masterclasses, etc. You can book a one-to-one call with Julie, or you could join her Facebook community, which I'd highly advise, because there you'll be able to chat with others who have experienced working with hypnotherapy and Julie firsthand. There are also a few extra resources in this episode's podcast. But first, before you go off researching, let's dive back into the conversation with Julie, where she will be talking about how hypnotherapy can help us deal with the stress response before a performance, and also how important it is to take into account each individual's relationship to this. Fascinating stuff. The Connected Signal. You've talked a bit about... Um you know, when you, you, you realise that hypnotherapy could help you as a performer, you know, having, you know, had such a good experience with uh, stopping smoking. But I suppose what would be really interesting to hear is, is the way that you saw a shift, you know, as a, as a performer, a conductor, and, you know, also in, in clients as well. You know, there are so many schools of thought about what should happen, you know, before, during and after a performance whether it's the, oh, you know, it's, it's okay to feel nervous, it's okay to feel this, but, you know, at the same time, if we are in a fight or flight state, then how do we, you know, we can't really breathe normally, we can't really focus, we can't do lots of things. And, and I think many singers would quite like to just feel calm or at least in a position where they're not having to deal with the other baggage that's going on. Mm-hmm you know, fighting off the, the adrenaline and the sweats and the, you know, what, the thoughts that are going in. So what, what kind of shifts did you experience yourself? Um, there, are, there are a few star exercises, I would say, that, you know, ones that have really stood out for people. Um, and, and for this thing, I mean, I've, I've worked with lots of singers now who, who have, they have different ideas as to which, exercises work for them um, and how it works. There certainly is, I think, still a great deal of discussion to be had around the importance of the stress response, because some people do still swear by needing to have that to to heighten a performance, you know. Um, And if you are one of those performers, well, that 
that's pretty much why I like to do things bespoke with singers so that we can add in the bits that they need and not take the bits that they don't. For me, um, personally, if I start to feel the stress response, it's quite hard for me to then get out of it. So I prefer to bypass it by making it a normal performance. I know that some singers would say that they would then feel that their performance was a bit flat if they weren't feeling the adrenaline um, and, and the cortisone. But for me, um, that also then leads to sleep issues later, which singers also, you know, also have to have to deal with. Um, and there is amazing scientific evidence base for the use of hypnotherapy for sleep. You know, I've had some really, really good results for that. Um, but my star ones. So um, I have a, I have a particular exercise where a singer will will go in hypnosis to meet their ideal singer. It's like they look in a mirror and then the mirror goes away and in front of them is the ideal singer. And then they sort of climb into the ideal singer and feel how it feels to wander around like that. And often they describe that as their um, superpower suit. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> and so then when they're waiting to perform, um, because I always give them self-hypnosis, like a two-minute self-hypnosis thing, because that is, that's about calm. That's about coming to the breath. So just really, really simple things. Like you just focus, getting used to what we call the hypnotic mindset, which is my preferred phrase than trance. Right. You know, with the yeah. hypnotic mindset. So the mindset where we are, where we are focused and absorbed, we go to that place. You don't have to have your eyes closed, but you focus on the breath and you imagine breathing in the color of relaxation and breathing out tension. And that's a really helpful one. And then people imagine stepping into their sort of superpower suit that has, has what they need in there. Um, and then there's one more. No, there are two more. There's, there are two more that go together. One of them is called the Circle of Excellence. Have you ever heard of the Circle of Excellence? Yeah. 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 So the Circle of Excellence is a classic NLP technique. I was going to say some of these things sound very similar. I've investigated yeah. a little bit of NLP. It's mm -hmm. very effective, really effective. But, but so anyway. NLP is fabulous on its own, but when it's used with hypnosis... Um, there is, again, there is a scientific evidence base that it is more effective, it enhances and magnifies the effects of the NLP work. So Circle of Excellence is based on anchors and anchors are all around us. You know, if we, if you look at, if you have a photograph of a loved one and you look at it, it takes you to a certain feeling. That's right. Yeah. So we, we decide on the feelings that we want um, and they are different from singer to singer. I have one singer who was absolutely adamant that she wanted integrity as one of her feelings when she stood in her circle. Integrity, that's what I want. Um, free and fearless are mine. I want to be free and fearless when I perform. You know, <laughs> calm and relaxed, maybe. Filled with love or connection. 
And you choose which ones you want. And then we remember a time when you've had those. And we, in hypnosis, then step into an imaginary circle, spotlight. So you know how wonderful, step into the spotlight. And we're bathed in this feeling. And then we anchor it to our forehead, our chest and our tummy. So that then when we perform, we can step forward or just imagine the spotlight coming down and we're flooded with those feelings. That's just a retraining thing. Imagine that, knowing that every time you sing, you're going to be flooded with all the feelings, all the resources that you need to give a great performance. And the final one is the mental rehearsal. So really taking yourself and seeing yourself doing what is... Some people object to the word perfect. So I'll say the ideal. Ideal, yeah. <laughs> the ideal performance, yeah. yeah. Um, and doing it again and again and again. And if you know the venue even better, because you can really imagine yourself going up to the singing space and so on. So you, then you are completely mentally prepared. You have the winning mindset. You know, you're really set up um, when you have all of those things. I, I don't know if that answered your question, Michael, did it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it, it's such a fascinating thing, really, isn't it, to how you were saying about how bespoke things can be, because, you know, certainly it's my experience personally that I don't really want to be in, in this high adrenaline fight or flight state because as a performer, I'm most interested in connecting with the audience. And if, I, if I'm too busy sort of battling, yeah. you know, ephemeral stuff going on in my head, then, then it... it this is potentially a, a block, you know, it can, for me at least, it feels like it takes away from the, the joy of it. Or if you have certain challenging things to do in a song, then if there's other stuff you're dealing with, you don't really have time to think about, to think ahead, you know, because you're in fight or flight, which is not a, it's not a frontal low planning, concentrating state. It's a, mm-hmm. ah, I'm going to fall out of a tree. Ah, yeah. you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think it depends on what kind of performer you are and what kind of show or performance you're doing, doesn't it? Because yeah. I could totally relate to that. But on the other side, I, I'm quite an energetic performer. So I like to have that energy. But I also suffer from the same issues of having too much cortisone. I can feel it, you know, and I'm like, people have got to leave me alone for the first five minutes before I go on stage. And I'd like to reduce that a little bit, but I do need a bit of a kick to go to go on stage. Uh, I'd be quite interested to know how successful it is from the first time that you work with someone. So for example, someone comes in and they've got a big performance, maybe in a couple of days even. How successful is one treatment? Does it take a bit of time? Is it repetition? I could imagine that would obviously strengthen it, but can it work after one session? What's the feedback from the singers that you get? Because I'm sure there's some that are a little bit sceptical, even if they want it. It's such a strong emotion or a... Uh, connection that they have with their old patterns, if you like. So I think, I think once again, we, um, I can only say that um, everybody is different. We know everybody is different. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, from the people I have worked with, there have been uh, the vast majority of people I work with, there's a light bulb moment immediately. Mm. Um and and because I have, yeah, I mean, I've done them all for myself. All of these, 
all of these exercises have been, you know, I have tried and tested all of them. And because I know that they work and because I know which ones work for different things, I can, um, I can pretty much immediately say, let's try this one. And most things will work pretty immediately. Some people are really happy to have a performance very soon afterwards to try them out. Yeah. But of course, just like anything else, as we said, it, it is the, the practice is important. So they will get better the more that they do it. But for instance, for you, Julie, I was, as you were just saying that, I was just thinking the one I would give you immediately is the control room. Everybody loves the control room <laughs> of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> So what you would, yeah. So what you would do is you would go into, um, so with with hypnosis, I should explain there are there are four sections to uh, a hypnosis session, and the first one is what's called induction, Um, and it sounds scary, and it's not at all. It really is just getting yourself into that hypnotic mindset, and we can do it a number of different ways, but it's just calming the mind down. Um, one classic one is called eye fixation. So that's where you would, you know, you would sit. We like people to sit upright. We don't need to go to sleep. If you go to sleep, you're not hearing the suggestions. If you're not hearing the suggestions, nothing's going to work for you. So yeah, I know this is completely the opposite of lie on a couch, dribble, and then come out and be fixed. You know, yeah, no, that's not what we're doing. So you want to be, you want to be conscious, but in this absorbed state. So we have people sitting, sitting up, you know, grounded hands on their lap, but not touching each other because if, if they do, when you're in your absorbed state, you know, you know, if you're really focused on something, someone comes in behind you and then you just go, ah! and so because, because you completely, it's the same thing with the touching. Touch we want to be. Yeah. Right. And then, um, and then eye fixation is where basically what you do is you sit you, with your eyes looking straight out and then you would just lift them up to the ceiling. And what happens then is the eyelids start to fatigue which starts to tell the brain that it's time for them for the eyelids to close. And when the eyelids close, you go into that hypnagogic state, the state which is, you know, just before sleep. And so the brain is calming down and it's and in that state, it is ready for suggestion. It's much more open to suggestibility. So um, the definition of hypnosis that we like to use is the art and science of suggestion because it's making these suggestions. So that's the first thing. Then we do what's called deepener, which is really quite um, misleading because you don't ever, it's not deeper. Where are you going? You're not going anywhere deeper. But we call them deepener. And basically it's just becoming, giving you more time to relax and become more focused. So you're just sitting there, you've got your eyes closed and I'm telling you to walk down five steps, feeling more and more relaxed as you go down. So you're engaging the imagination, you're making these images and thoughts your reality, which we as musicians are so used to doing. It's what we do, we create other worlds, you know, it's exactly the right thing for us. And and so then, then, and then we have the suggestion section. In this section... I'm taking you to the control room. So in this section, what you do is you, you'd I'm walk following, along the I'm path. following. 
you you walk along a path which is of your own making and you really you want all your sense senses to be engaged so you would see what it looks like feel what it feels like um any sounds any tastes any smells all that kind of thing uh, walking along the path and then you go through a door and into the control room of your mind and this is different for everybody Quite often for musicians, it's like um, a recording studio with slides. Do you know what? As you were talking, I was just imagining that. That's exactly what I was saying. (laughs) But it was in front of like, um, like it's like a big spaceship, but with lots of controls. So it's like the Millennium Falcon with a with yeah, um, a producing studio or like a recording studio. Perfect. And so what, what I would suggest that you do is you find the one then with the, with the cortisone, the, the, you know, and you just turn it down and see how that feels and notice how it feels in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And people use that. I had a girl who had enormous anxiety and in her control room, um, it was the wheel of a ship, but it was spinning on its own at the beginning. She had no control over the wheel. And now she goes in and she just sort of steers a little bit when she goes in there and the anxiety is much better and and the wheel is still and, and she can go and play with her energy levels and her... Um, you know, her uh, self-esteem levels and, and whatever she needs to work with. And this it's, is amazing. It's, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. As you say. So perfect. for you, that's what I would do. Just move it down a bit. Yeah. The uh, the um, positive energy in the cortisone town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Wow. And just like that, we've come to the end of part one. But if you're already sitting cosily on the sofa or alternatively enjoying a sunny stroll outside, part two is not far away. Just scroll up, click on the link and let us lead you to the next part of the hypnotherapy journey. We'll be talking vocal breakthroughs using hypnotherapy, exercises to help you shine and reduce performance anxiety and finding your uniqueness. So lots more to come and we'd love you to join us. Take care of yourselves and each other and see you next time.